0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. It's David Warrench. Welcome again to the Authentic Dad Podcast. Today I have my friend Richie Freeman, a true Renaissance man who has done everything from pro wrestling to writing to owning a marketing firm to you name it. Really excited to present this conversation. I had a lot of fun. It's chock full of anecdotes, tidbits. I learned a lot about him. And I think he's just a fascinating guy. Hope everybody is safe and well, and we will see you on the other side. All right. I'm here with my buddy, Richie Freeman, um, although I know him better as Buster Maccabee, <laughs> which we'll, we can talk about later. But I want to read your bio. He is um, a modern-day Renaissance man, because, and he really is. Due to a career that spans life as an author, an illustrator, an artist, an entrepreneur, screenwriter, cartoonist, and even a champion professional wrestler, Uh, number one best-selling and award-winning author and illustrator of seven books in multiple genres, with work being sold worldwide, he's also the co-founder and CEO of Brand New Sports. It's a sports marketing firm dedicated to connecting brands with the NCAA students, athletes, through brand ambassador programs for name image likeness sponsorships. And his success has landed him on media outlets across the globe, appearing live on numerous radio and TV shows, including MSNBC, Fox News, Entertainment, and featured in Time Magazine, Money Magazine, Yahoo, Martha Stewart, Forbes Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, Fast Company, USA Today, Publishers Weekly, Parade, Story Monsters, Inc., my friend, how, how does it feel to add the Authentic Dad Pack podcast to that list?
1: Well, you know, now I got to put it, I got to read to the bio and just put that first, <laughs> you know, and it's, I, I think that will definitely go on the top. I'm honored. Honored beyond honored can be honored. I'm glad to catch up, mm-hmm. my friend.
0: Well, well, I hope your career has not jumped the shark. by yeah. now.
1: <laughs> if it does, I'm happy to end it on your show. I, I
0: appreciate, appreciate you. that. Thank, Thank you very you. much. I very much appreciate your time. Richie and I, of course, go way back, way back, but um, it's been a while. So I always, in case you haven't listened to any of these, it's a little cliche now, but I do like to like kind of start off, like take it away, like tell me about yourself, your story, how you ended up being a renaissance man. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, I, I'm, you know, my, my, you know, career path, I should say, it really started when I was Really, right before I graduated college I went to the University of Maryland College Park I was an art major um, uh, you know I've, I've known you since high school so um, I, I wasn't exactly a stellar student in the grade category not a clown, not not a bad student just not a very uh, I didn't really have uh, the, the get-go that I kind of wanted to but college was a different story really let me kind of hone my stuff on my abilities in the art which is really my main focus but um, You know, what really led me down there was to the arts growing up. There were really two things that I only really wanted to do was Mm -hmm. something in the arts and then pro wrestling, which obviously have zero connectivity to them on the surface. But when you dial it down, you know, it's, I mean, it's, for me, I can draw the line really well. And it's almost, you know, it's entertainment, it's creativity, it's action, stuff like that. So to me, I understood that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I started wrestling when I was uh, the, I started training the, the summer going into my senior of college and then I had my match uh that summer so basically sorry sorry the end of my junior year of college and then trained and then had a match towards the end of the summer going into my senior of college and I did it pretty much I trained a couple times a week um with one of my best friends still to this day and then who was my tag team partner a fellow another Owens Mills uh high school (laughs) alum Kenny Harmon also known as Apollo Cruz and so And, and with, without him, I probably wouldn't have done, I'll be honest with you, because it's that fear. I mean, we were two young guys walking into this thing. I mean, we're, we were fans. And, you know, you're walking into this world where we didn't know anybody. This is almost this is like on the bubble of the internet kind of being popular in like 2000 and stuff like that so it was like you could look up a lot of stuff and uh, you know there's a lot of secrets you learn with wrestling and um it was hard back then it was like boot camp i mean they'd kick the crap out of you and see if you come back tomorrow
0: and how long was that training like so
1: we trained for i want to say we trained for like four months maybe but we also trained like three days a week so we Hmm. kind of we hustled our training because we were just really it was the summertime and, you know, you have like a, I think I was waiting tables or something like that. And then it went into the fall. So, um, for that to really get the training and stuff like that done. And then, um, the, our promoter at the time said, look, we have a show coming up on this date and like, that's going to be your, like, that's the target. You guys are going to debut on that show. So like, all right, we got to get our stuff together. So, um, and that was it. And then, you know, we started there. It was a great time and then kept on going and, um, did it all through college. And then all through, even when I was working and stuff like that in the corporate world and things, which was definitely not the uh, normal thing. It's always like, you know, I'd have to explain to people why I had a black eye or a bloody lip or limping or something (laughs) like that. And, you know, I'm living the dream, man. You know, I don't know why
0: I had thought it was earlier. I didn't realize you started in college. How many matches was your career? Oh, gosh. I mean,
1: so, I mean, I, I, I did, well, I always liked Pro wrestling, but I mean, yeah. To get to become a wrestler, you got to be licensed, you know, and you have to be trained. You have to learn the whole shtick. Yeah. Um, and so, really, not till college. But um, I mean, gosh, I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. I mean, over the time. I mean, it, it, I, there's no record keeping or anything. I like
0: did that, not right? realize it was that many. Yeah, I mean, it was, but it's
1: you know, look, you're you're a musician, you understood it too. I look at it where like it, it's very similar to being in a band, where mm-hmm. guys who are in a band they just want to play their music get their stuff out there be heard and you play whatever places you can that'll take yeah it's a bar it's a backyard it's a school it's a whatever and some places are nice some places aren't wrestling's the same way Uh, um you go around town some guy says hey by the way my buddy you know i got a show in west virginia next week if you can make it i can get you on the card we're like oh sure let's go like high
0: high school gyms and armories and yeah
1: high school gyms armories vfw halls jingo halls uh parking lots wherever <laughs> they get set up the ring yeah not exactly glamour city usa oh, or anything but.
0: right but you know what i kind of i kind of like that idea you know there there are musicians that I'm, I'm i would say that's a stretch to say i'm a musician but they're you know i think they will play anywhere anytime because because a, a gig is a gig a Gig's a and, gig
1: and you want to be and you want to do it. I mean, it's, you know, kind of the old put your 10,000 hours in and this is before mm-hmm. the book came out, but you only get better if you and you only get more notoriety if, um, you know, if you do stuff. And again, when I was doing it from 2000 to like 2009, and then I came back recently for my 40th birthday a few years ago for when I back. remember and, yeah, with Danny, but you know, back then there was no social media. I mean, it was mm-hmm. like it, you know, nowadays you could post stuff on your phone. There's no smartphone. So like you could, you could have a match and you could tweet it out or post it and be like, you know, get some good traction back then. there was really not, no one heard of other people unless it was within the ether of wrestling and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a, it was a, but it was a lot, it was a lot of fun, but it was also like, a, it was, I learned a lot from it. And I, and I will say yeah. from a professional standpoint, yeah, I learned more from that than anything, because, you know, I was I had to be extroverted. You had to take care of yourself, you take care of your opponent. Um, it was a good culture shift for me. And, um, you know, it was also a things where like, I would tell people they laugh about it. And they look at me and they'd be like, oh, it's fake or it's this. And then I tell them, I tell them like, so I'm wrestling the guys like twice by side, like, oh, man, you're gonna get your butt kicked. I was like, yeah, I thought it was fake though. So I don't know but okay, you know. So it was like, well, it was we were all laughing. When everybody would laugh at us, we were all laughing even harder at them because we knew that we knew it was going well, on. Well,
0: it it is a true art form. They are, and you are an amazing athlete. A lot, um, my wife finds this part of my biography surprising, but pro wrestling is a huge part of my childhood. Um, growing up in the 80s, my grandfather used to had a connection to the Baltimore arena, and I have seen You know wwf and what they used to be called nwa
1: yeah
0: um i guess it's not even called wwf anymore a million times man i saw like the great american bash i saw them every time they came to town and in the front row and fake or not fake they're in a lot of pain It's uh an incredible feat of of um you know, everybody hopefully by now knows that. And now there are these, you know, I don't know if you've seen the show, The Dark Side of the Ring, you know. Of course, a I, lot love of them be, I love it, I love it. Yeah, because there they, yeah. they was there was a lot of pain in, you know, when they had to tour, you know, 300 days out of the year. So unfortunately there's a dark side of that, right? The drugs and um, to kind of, you know, to deal with the pain and to deal with the stress and kind of being on the road. So um, yeah. I loved it. And I used, to, I had a fantasy of, of, of course, like you did, but you actually did it. I was like, beat the crap out of like pillows and yeah. um, everybody macho did You're... my guy. Macho. Yeah. I love macho, man.
1: Look, man. every, every kid growing up, they had a bed mattress. They jumped mm-hmm. off of a couch, yep. a, a diving board, a pool, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was, it was, it was exactly that. And, um, but it is true. I always tell people, to look at the movie, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, because yes. that was about as, and I, when that movie came out, I, me and Kenny saw it together. We're like, oh man, they're a clown on us. I mean, well, I mean, I didn't know anything about that, the director, but, or, you know, what it's going to be. And it was beyond spot on. It was one hundred percent accurate. And I loved every minute of it, but it is true. I mean, back then there are guys that do things to their body and they do things, but that's really in any sport, right? There's a responsible part. There's not, but there's the desire to be bigger and better and better. And it's, that's up to however you want to do it. Not everybody did that by any means, a very, very small fraction of it, but mm-hmm. in any, whether it's football or baseball or basketball or whatever it is, there's going to be something like that to give an edge and some people can't handle that kind of lifestyle. And those that didn't, it showed like an wrestler, for example. Um, so, you know, we, and that was never my, my bag. I mean, I lifting weights and stuff like that, but Kenny right. and I, again, we, there was a good group of people there and even from the veterans there that, we ran the same circles. We hung with each other. We kind of protected everybody. And then, like, you know, you knew who the maniacs were, you knew who weren't. Like, and, were some you, guys... and
0: you wrestled in high, like, you know, wrestled wrestled in high school too, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I wrestled since I was eight years old. And mm-hmm. that part was that part helped in, you know, I would say like an endurance factor and fitness factor. But mm-hmm. guys came from all walks of life there. You know, um, it was right. you really get, you get blown up in the ring, you get out of breath. So even if you're really heavy and out of shape, you know, you still got to work within your means. And that goes part with just understanding your character and understanding what you
0: can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a performance aspect, too, that you probably learn how to perform and like learn theater and acting in a a way to, you know, it's not it's not just like you're wrestling and, you know, the skills of wrestling, but you're also playing the role of this particular character, which is a different thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it teaches you when to pause. It teaches you to take mm-hmm. a break, and I'm, I'm using these in like and also in, you know, in like uh, uh, analogies for life too. I mean, there was yeah. the, way, the way you're composing something. It is an art form. I mean, people think it's kind of funny, but it is. It's stunt. It's a mixture being like a stuntman and an actor, and um, you also there's also a lot of humility that comes to it too because it's you know we in the wrestling we call it doing a work meaning you have a job to go out there whether to win or lose or to do x y and z and that's called doing the work and yeah a lot of guys were like no nah, there's no way i'm not gonna let dave dave's not gonna beat me he can't do that because he's this it's like look man uh-huh. i'm the booker promoter i'm telling you dave's gonna win and that's this is what's happening. gonna happen and the good and i learned it from a veteran very early on and he just looked at me i remember i questioned about was like yeah like that guy's the guy that's that you know you're you're working tonight it's not really doesn't, look, doesn't like the crowd doesn't really like him too much i don't know what his deal is and mm-hmm. this guy I'll, i mean I'll, I'll never forget i mean he was just like he goes he goes buster man he goes it's just the work you do the work and make <laughs> it happen and i'm like yeah he goes you got your time out there win or lose to make them to make a, a good impression and that's all you got to do and that's where you know champions you know you get title you lose a title you get a title you lose title it's more about just really getting oh, the most out of it
0: i think it is funny and i don't think it's funny in the sense that you know people that we grew up with i think it's funny in the like holy crap he really did this kind of like that's amazing funny you know?
1: yeah well um, that's I, I get that all the time too and i love it and I, I i didn't do it because of that i just did it because like you know i always wanted to do it and there happened to be baltimore had happened happens to be a very good spot for wrestling i didn't know oh my god that.
0: huge huge yeah,
1: huge and then when you really when you when you go into that well you know when you're little when you're younger you don't know any better you live in your little bubble so you're just like looking at stuff saying okay well uh you know if i want to be a you know like if you want to be like a doctor you're like okay well i probably have somebody i know who's a doctor if i want to be a um a a lawyer or if i want to be a finance person something in in industry that you can touch and feel like you probably know somebody you can go to i knew nothing obviously nobody wrestlers in there i mean and so (laughs) once you kind of realize that there once you found that avenue and i did this with writing but it was once i found that avenue it was like and i passed the test right i mean i was okay to hang out there it was like okay everybody everybody gets this now like it, we all we know what's going on here so in the same sense of mm-hmm. that- It's one To me, it's, I mean, look, to become a doctor and a lawyer is hell of a lot harder than to become a wrestler. But that seems to make more sense for people because they can touch and feel it. Whereas wrestling, it's like, so my, it's so out of the whack of world that you're like, what is going on here? So totally respect that and understand that aspect to it.
0: Um, So I have to tell you, can I, I want to, I have to tell you this one anecdote. Um, So years ago, there was this family, they've since moved, but they live two doors down from us very nice family had little kids and i was the girl was like hanging out in our backyard or with my daughter and the girl little girl i don't know she was like five she said i have to go i'm going to my grandfather's house and i said cool have a great time and she goes yeah my grandfather he's his uh, we call him big john stud and i started laughing and i was like big john stud that's amazing and so his the father came over i was like man dude, you call, your, you call your dad Big John Stud? That cracks me up. I, I was a big fan. I, I know that name. He goes, no, no, my dad is Big John Stud. I was like, what? Oh, he's shit. like, yeah, that's my dad. I mean, he had passed away yeah. like in the 90s, I think. Uh-huh. And so he's like, dude, my dad's Big John Stud. I was like, you're <laughs> shitting me. <I> was, <laughs> so he takes me into his garage and he was like, check this out. And he has like a little music. He's like, this is Andre the Giant's hair. This is oh all pictures. Andre the Giants uniform he's like I grew up in this world this was my dad and you know sadly he passed passed away but I I, so I had like a million questions and then his brother which his name is John Studd Uh went into it I I think may actually be wrestling yes and and I just I was like I I can't believe it I can't believe (laughs) it and then people I keep telling people the story oh my god big John Studd's son lives and they're like who the hell is big john stud i'm like what how do you not are you serious
1: well, he was like fun. really
0: famous i think his career ended in like 89 though
1: yeah i mean he, well he was a big 80s guy but yes yeah. and his son one of his sons uh he is mm-hmm. in wrestling he actually came through baltimore too i think he trained in maryland yeah but um well it's funny you say that because so i remember when um you know we, when we were doing shows you get a lot of the old veterans that were either, uh-huh that just missed their heyday or, or like the heyday's over or they're older like, you know, the studs of the world. And we're sitting in the locker room and all of a sudden there walks in King Kong Bundy mm. or the Iron Sheik or Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, holy crap, I can't, and there I am. I, I know. Mean, I remember I was sitting next, I'm sitting down where, and usually look, these locker rooms are makeshift at best. They're not exactly in the locker room at the Madison Square Garden. And so I remember sitting in like a chair And then Bundy sits like across from me, like a chair away Mm -hmm. from me. There he is sitting in his underwear and he's just talking to me. And I'm like, that's, that's. Like I saw this guy when he was, I would have thought this was the scariest man alive. And now he's sitting there in his underwear. He's in his sixties, but whatever. (laughs) I mean, like, I'm like, and I'm just like, I was like, this is insane. And and, the other
0: thing is they were like really, really famous for a period of time, you know, like they would, WrestleMania 3, there was like attendance was 93,000 people. Yeah, people
1: forget that too. And I and it is one of those things where, like, maybe if you saw a picture and the pop culture world was picking it up, and it's gotten a lot better over the years too, especially the last several years. But it was. I mean, back then it was they were larger than life. They were built as that. And that was something that attracted everybody to it. And they, and it was a rare thing too, because I mean you mentioned when you came to Baltimore. I went every year my dad would take me to my birthday. I went to like one or two matches a year because they only came through town that often. And it wasn't like you could see them on TV all the time, it wasn't as popular in the 90s, it got more popular and more they were traveling more but with the advancement of, you know, TV and technology allowed people to see them so it was even bigger that you like you saw these one of these guys in real life and you're like, Oh my god, like it's like you're looking at a, like a Marvel character in front of you it was, you know, it's it was great, it was wild and you know that always attracted me to it I knew I wasn't gonna be the biggest baddest guy in the world. but You know you had to work with what you have and you know we found a way to do so and it people really liked it and you know we got to come out of our shell and it was something that i just those lessons that i learned from it really helped me evolve into
0: yeah well well this is the
1: arts and everything like
0: that this is a great pivot you know i hate that word but i'll say pivot um because the point is you like walk the walk man you had the cojones and you did it but that is just one layer of ten thousand other things so tell me like because i I was telling you before we hit record a friend a mutual friend of ours was like how does he do all that stuff and how does that and he has all these things i was like i don't know let me ask him so (laughs) i'm always curious like what drives people like you like entrepreneurs and how you balance that with with having a family so you're married right
1: Yeah, married and two kids. Two kids.
0: Yeah. I I mean I know this, but (laughs) (laughs) how old are your kids now?
1: Yeah, no, my daughter uh, will be 14 next week, and my son just turned 10. So (laughs) it was yeah, and it's great. I mean that's that was you know you know, and I appreciate the word, the kind words, and even from a mutual friend too. But it's it was one of these things where I will say, as goofy and cheesy as it sounds, is once I started wrestling, I realized I could do it. It.
0: It oh, was, a, really? it, was
1: a, it was something that really kind of allowed me to be like all right well, why don't well just give this a shot? But I've also and it went into you know the next level really brought me over to into the world of writing. And yeah, a bit of a background. I tell people when I talk to schools and I do interviews or I'll talk to people about it is that you know I was I could hardly even read growing up. I mean, I had a humongous learning disability and uh, maybe that's not the right adjective for it, but it was back then it was the eighties and 90s. No don't really diagnose stuff very often right. or like just give that kid a pill and let him walk, walk it off. Yeah, you know. And so it was that kind of thing. It just wasn't something that I knew was, uh, I got very, I got very nervous about these stigmas. So, and plus, you know, there weren't schools like there are now to help kids go to. So, um, you know, when I became an art major at college and focus on the le- the first book I ever read cover to cover wasn't until my senior year of college. And huh? it was actually, ironically, the Mick Foley, autobiography which i loved by the way huh. he's a wrestler so it was the first book i read and i'll never forget i remember i took it to the to the gym at maryland and i was on the uh Stairmaster, and i put it th- i left it there i went to the bathroom and i came back or get the water so no, i left it, and to get water something like that I came back and the book was gone i was like maybe a chapter left i'm like oh my god this is my
0: first book i'm now one someone foley. took it someone took your nick foley book
1: yeah i had to buy another one just to say i could yes. the full book but, um, and I've always, and I was always wanted to go into writing, I always wanted to be a writer. And it, and it was ironic, though, that just like the, the, uh, the, the love for writing and entertainment, versus me not really being able to be the person to read something like that is the dichotomy of that was definitely very.
0: Well, I didn't know anything about that. So I'm really glad I had you on. I, I'm learning as we go. I didn't know that that was a, that you, that was a struggle.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and I I, I talk about the kids all the time and they're always very surprised. And, um, you know, it's I don't use it as a shtick or anything. It's just the truth. Um, and, you know, I basically just got by with just getting by. And then once I started to um, think about writing in the same sense, I thought about wrestling. It's like, okay, well, who do I know in literature? I know nobody. And so I looked online and, you know, you go mm-hmm. on LinkedIn or you go on whatever tools were possible around that time. And I learned about like, I actually, you know, after college, I worked for a printer for a little while. I'm doing graphic design. So I kind of knew the printing process and what it takes to look, you know, how to put a book together, but there's other companies that do it. How do you find a publisher? How do you find an agent? That world to me was totally difficult. So the first well, book-
0: How many have you published?
1: So I've had seven books. Um, Jeez. And I'm working on two more right now. And now I'm trying to work on, I'm working on screenplays as well. So- Nothing and nothing in the screen pro world solid yet, but definitely yeah. um, I have some partner writing partners. Which again, it goes along to um, you know you you just start meeting people, right? And you start collaborating. Yeah, let's
0: let's dive down that rabbit hole a little bit. I mean, I I know that you wrote a children's book that was really yeah. well received, and I know some like young adult novels kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so the first one I wrote and illustrated,
0: I wrote an illustrated a book called Turple. Turple. And yeah, it's a beautiful it was,
1: book. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you. And I have, and it was funny. So the first one, um, when it came, when I when I put it out, that I put it out, I self published it by myself. I was like, I'm not waiting for the years it takes to do yeah. it. And I'm like, look, if I can, uh, I'm a marketing guy. I was, you know, a wrestler. If I can put myself out there, I'll draw draw the audience in. And Kenny, my acting partner, I was like, look. Mm-hmm. I said we're gonna do a um, in the book i want to do a big i want to do a reading for it can you do a puppet and he's like i've never done a puppet before but sure i'll do it and and <laughs> being the great guy he is so i went to like uh build a bear got a turtle dressed him up with dressed him up with kid clothes at like children's place or whatever to look like the character i still have I'm literally looking. at him right he's on my bookshelf my shelf behind me my office and um we my father-in-law made a little like you know uh puppet theater thing you know for me to pop out of and kenny pops out reads the book i'm sitting next to I'm narrating it and we had at the time a lot of our friends had kids at the time were a couple years older my daughter was um uh she wasn't i don't think maddie was born yet actually but it's um, been a while yeah i
0: remember
1: yeah oh yeah that was back in 2000 I want to say uh, oh, yeah. wow. so we did the puppet show and, and everybody loved it The a, a place loved it that we did a book at a bookstore and from there we did a couple other ones and Kenny was the uh, he was the puppeteer and we we were doing all like doing a work right we loved it yeah. and from there I did another turtle book um well after that so I I've been writing that and I was getting the book did really well and then um a colleague of mine that I'd known for a long time she reached out to me and she said hey, um, I'm looking to do a, um, I, I work from, for Macmillan Publishing and they have a website where where people do different podcasts it's called Quick and Dirty Tips. And
0: ah, and, and, I read uh, this this, yeah. this many times. You're, yeah, this, yeah awesome. So the,
1: yeah, so she said, she's like, look, they need a new manners and etiquette person. And I th- she was, I think you'd be really good at it. I was like, wow, I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, what do you, like, like witty, twitty stuff she goes no, no 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 we need somebody like funny like the guy doing it now is like it's more old man-ish kind of thing we want somebody like you know i said like seinfeld kind of thing like yeah yeah like something where it's like yeah. ironic stuff. And i'm like done so i mean i heard and publishing and i'm like done i'm, I'm on board i'm care what the topic is so and i it was more about just like um it became like social cues you know the guy in starbucks mm-hmm. that's talking on his phone or the person that's you know at a funeral, is speaking really loud in the back, or things like that, or bad dates, bad meetings, and um, I tried out, so to say. I wrote an article, I did a podcast of it, and they're like, "Yep, yeah, all right, good, let's go." And did, I did that did for
0: several years. People like submit questions, or did you come up with like how did that work? Like, how did you get the material?
1: So both. Um, it was part. I mean, every week I had to do one, and then I also did like other subtopics too. Mm-hmm. So I usually had one, but people would email me um like all over the world and <laughs> just say things like you know oh my god i read your art. i heard your article about facebook etiquette and man, mm-hmm. you know my mom my like my ex-boyfriend put on there about how how he thought the breakup was not fair or whatever it was it's like how you share too much and then we did an article about the overshare on facebook and then it's like yeah. you know how do you so people would write and then i would never use their name but i would say you know Dave from Michigan told me. Before. Right, right. And so that would kick off a conversation, which I really liked and I loved it. I
0: really, truly, it was, it was really fun. I remember reading a bunch of them and I remember like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs>
1: most <laughs> of it, yeah, most of it came off from just being visual and looking yeah. at stuff and saying, how can you make this funny? Yeah, or yeah. now it's the, once you notice it, you're, you're in, uh, you're more, you're more keen to like pointing out how much of a jerk people could be. And I remember, it was funny, I remember I was play, I was at a, um, I was at a park with a friend, or I was at a park with my kids, and I remember I, I ran into a friend of mine, and they're swinging next to each other in the thing, <laughs> and it starts to have like a temper tantrum, and my buddy, and I don't want to say his name, but he's just like, he goes, he goes, like, and the, uh, and the kid, uh, I forgot that his son's name, I know his yeah. son's name, but for the sake of I'll use David, he goes, he goes, David, stop, stop doing that, come on, Richard's going to write about it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so, so we all laughed about it, but, um, and from yeah. there, from there, we, uh, I had to Macmillan and St. Martin's press offered me or allowed me to present an idea for a book. And even though I worked, mm-hmm. even though I was writing for them, I had to really pitch it. And um, I pitched it, we had an idea and the book came out and it was called reply all and other ways to tank your career.
0: Yes. It, which, I, was,
1: I yeah, which was geared towards like young professionals. And I interviewed a lot of really Popular CEOs and entrepreneurs about really what it's like in their side of the table versus people the people on the on this side, and we made it funny, made it topical, made it where they could go ahead and you know like dress code etiquette, everything, and get. It have going.
0: you ever replied all? Because I have, I have, and it's all it, the
1: the, <laughs> the, uh, the the sheer the sheer madness of like your everything in your body tenses up, the blood leaves oh, your face, It was <laughs> terrible.
0: Well, I, well, cause you, you know, know a bit about me and if anyone, yeah. you know, people who know me know, like you know, there's some crazy shit that can come out of my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I was replying to my wife about something in our old synagogue of all places. Synagogue. Okay. Yeah. About <laughs> a person at the synagogue and let's just say it wasn't a good scene, <laughs> but the good news was I like, it wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been. Like no. it was like the most tame thing. I don't know why it was so tame, but so yeah. it was fine kind of, but yeah.
1: Well, I remember when I was even like when, uh, now when you share, you share somebody's contact on your phone, mm-hmm. and I remember I added, I added my wife's name and I remember her, I always had her on the phone. It was Jamie, the awesome. I just had to look at joke and my, and I never thought I, and I share, I've shared her number before with uh, Jamie, a the awesome. Yeah, I didn't really think, yeah. And I didn't think too much about it. It was just a nickname. And so, and everybody thinks it's kind of funny when it pops on my phone. I remember one time I shared it and then there I I had, I see it in the chat. It's like, you know, this person, this person, Jamie the Awesome. And then it's like, then it's also like, you know, Jim, heart emoji, cheer emoji, you know, lightning bolt or whatever. And they're like, that's like the new reply. I'm like, oh my God, I got to, so I changed it back to being just a regular name. And you realize like, that's like a newer reply. All oh, like, this is what you really call people. Like thank God I didn't call somebody like, you know, a bad name and share their oh, content.
0: Man, have you ever done voice detect? Like I'm like one of those people who I, my wife, kids make fun of me. Like I'll talk into the, to the text, like voice yeah. text, because it's more effective. Yeah. And like, sometimes I'm walking and the autocorrect situation is it's pretty bad. I, I don't even want to say it I happened know. recently. So, I don't, I, all right, I don't I'll say, it, whatever, it's, it, there's no like FCC. So I, <laughs> I was walking in New York City and there was someone who called me like from my legal practice, a, a client. And sometimes I'll, like, if I call them back, they don't answer, I'll do a follow-up text. Like, hey, it's David, I was calling regarding your case. So I did that, except case somehow ended up as cock. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. So, I'm calling regarding your cut, and so I was like, I'm so. And the guy that called me back, and that it was like the funniest thing. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. you know, that could go sideways, man. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. That's that's, a good one. So, that's I a good screenshotted one. it, and like, <laughs> my kids are like, Can I see that again? Can I see that's hilarious? It's hilarious, you know, like it was, but yeah, okay, right and that's now.
1: that's that's the best. I mean, like it was, it was just one of these things where every story that I got from Reply All, and once the book came out, and I was very happy with, I mean, the book, it really propelled me, and, you know, it's, it really helped me evolve as a writer, and stuff like that, to challenge me, and I was able to draw cartoons in there, that I was always wanted to be a cartoonist as well, so I do my own original art, and it was just, but I would get people saying stuff to me, and like, telling me their funny stories, and, you know, this one boss was talking about, this the office the office retreat and he was commenting on he thought he was talking to like one of the one of his fellow bosses and he was talking to like talking about the girls in bathing suits and it was inappropriate and employees and just a disaster
0: um i would imagine so. you could have a whole i mean you probably have moved on but like the zoom era i'm sure yeah. there's like 10 more books there of you know we all have stories and many stories during the pandemic of various ridiculousness on zoom and working from home and going to school and blah blah blah. maybe it's already been done but yeah it's like a new era of that like reply all probably is nothing compared to what happens now
1: (laughs) now it's like your camera's on kind of thing and the microphone's not muted
0: everything's being recorded you know
1: it was it was wild and you know it was just and i loved it like that's what it goes back to the music you know i have a very low tolerance for musicians that say that you know they put their work out there and they they hate when people listen to it or they hate having
0: people uh, talk to ah yeah like,
1: then sit in your basement and play for yourself then i don't I, this is not you know you're you're make, you're taking away room from somebody else that really wants to do it and there's i really there's a lot I, of
0: actors I, like that yeah. oh yeah
1: they like you know actors you know it was there was an expression it's like actors are people who spend their entire lives Want to become famous? Then once they do, they spend the rest of their lives trying not to be noticed. Or not. mm. But something along those lines. And again, it's like, what did you expect? I mean, you, you entered this field because that's what you wanted. But and whether or not you handled it very well is your fault. And just quit. I, I remember mm. being with, um, with in writer. I went to couple You know, done on a bunch of writer panels, and I remember being at um, different groups, and you see people, and they're just like very introverted super introverted but yeah. also but and i would never have known a million years like they were that person and then i'm talking to them and they're like super successful and super famous and i'm like holy like that's you like i have no idea i, I mean, know just, i'm like man and they're like shy and you know then also comedians are like that yeah I, it's it's you know i guess some of well, them I, I wish i had that problem i mean of you know maybe if you get to that point you know but it's like i don't know i, I thought that there is a a certain level of ownership you take when you put art out there or anything you do. I mean, I, and I did that with the reply all, and it it allowed me to take other chances, you know, again, one, you know, when you try something and then try it again, try it again, hopefully, you know, it hits. And from there, I wrote another children's book. I wrote an illustrated with Turple and that was published. Um, and we, again, Kenny and I did the, the books and stuff like that. And then I wrote a, um, From there, I wrote um, a middle grade fiction book called Maddie and Cole and the Food Truck Grand Prix, which was based off my named after my kids, uh, Maddie and then my son, Cole.
0: Um, You know what? I'm impressed with myself because I remember that one, too, coming out maybe, what, three, four or five years ago?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fairly recent. And then there was one I had actually between that I wrote a novel called where the heart left off
0: remember that too romantic was, sort of young adult thing
1: exactly yes yeah. so it was a romance novel and it was, it was weird i remember i told my wife i was like i'm right i love this romance novel and she's mm-hmm. like what oh my god this is awful like i'm like no it's not about like sex and like you know that you know who that main the fabia or whatever it's like and it was it was just more about like a hallmark movie-esque kind of love just yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Story. and but the situation like that and you know when you think about like okay when you asked you know, where to get the ideas from and stuff like that. One, I mean, my desktop is filled with, you know, dozens of almost stories and stories I'll never see the light a day or a couple pages or a note, right. is an idea. But this one, my uh, my wife's grandfather, who was very close with, my grandparents passed when I, by the time I was in college, they were all gone. And um, it was, so he was, you know, he was a, my grandfather. I was very close with him. And one day he told me a story where he was at a food store locally and um, a woman tried to pick him up and the guy was like in his eighties. And I was like, and and his name was Howard and and I'm, I'm cracking up laughing. And she asked questions like, you know, how's your health? Uh, do you like, do you drive at night? You know, and I'm, I'm dying. It's like the funniest thing in the world. And I was like, Howard, how to, like, what did you say? He goes, uh, I don't, I, I told her I'm already seeing somebody and he had a girlfriend, so he was being a gentleman. <laughs> I'm, I'm, at that point, I'm like, Howard, look, man, I, I think she's just, you're at your stage of the game it's more about quantity over quality i think you might just want to have another person to talk to but the she had actually dated when he was like 17 this is 65 years later 60 something years later so imagine in, in our world it's like um you know we have facebook i can see kids i went to nursery school with but imagine you take the situation of somebody who you haven't seen in 60 plus years that you dated and whether it was serious or not so i took that little idea that's a great story Yeah, I mean it was, and I was, I was, I was dying to do with him, and he's a very funny man. And um, I didn't tell him about the book until it came out. Um, And I took that idea, and I completely fictionalized the rest of it. Um, And I made it take place in Baltimore because I just I love doing stuff for Baltimore. Um, And then I remember, I mean, when the first book, when I when I got the first copy of the first book, he was the first person ever to ever read a copy of it. He read it in one sitting, and I was. it was really touching but so you um,
0: exploited your wife's grandfather 100 percent, absolutely yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. well he kept saying if he goes oh, your yeah. grandfather yeah. yeah well yeah, technically yeah but he, it was funny because he goes he goes uh he goes that wasn't what happened with us though i'm like i know i know it's <laughs> it's fiction <laughs> i said it's based on a truett situation but not your did wife. he sue you
0: was he yeah. like this is bullshit it's not I, right.
1: I bought him a dozen bagels from goldberg's and he was yeah with it, so he was uh he was fine
0: But and then, yeah, yeah,
1: that was just it led to other things. And, um, you know, I had a book that came out recently, the most recent one. And, you know, again, about how you come up with ideas. I was um, watching the news, it's like 2018, 2019, I think it was. And there was a kid in Colorado that, overturned a 100 year old snowball band in Colorado.
0: Ah, uh, yes, I remember right. this book too. Jesus, man. <laughs> man, you have an old catalog.
1: I, well, I actually kind of
0: yeah. have, and I didn't do research. I just, because I know <laughs> you, but I have the picture of the cover of this one. I like the cover.
1: Yeah, thank you. And it was, it was a thing where I saw the kid on the news. And I thought it was the cutest story in the world, mm-hmm. long story short, there's a little town in Severance, Colorado. It's like eight miles, ten miles.
0: Snowball.
1: Uh, yeah. Snowballs for Severance, east of Fort Collins, Colorado. Mm-hmm. So it's not really people think it's small town. It's not like you know, Hoosiers or anything like that. It's a legit little, but it is a small, technically a small town, but everybody's really nice. It's very modern. It's very, very beautiful. And I remember sorry, I thought, was, oh, this would be a great story. And you know, I reached out to the parents, on, found the parents' names, reached out on Facebook, told them who I was. They asked if they call with me, and they did. And um, you know, they had a movie deal already. And I was like, "Look, take the movie." I said, "This is just the book. I'll let you guys." Oh,
0: they had a movie deal
1: already. Yeah, I don't. Nothing really happened with it, but there was a movie deal locked in for us in the book, or for them in the book. And um, that I had, I said, "Look, we'll be partners in this." And from a business standpoint, I said, "This is going to be your book." You'll you'll get, you know, in the writing world, a lot of times when you, a lot of times when you sell a piece, um, you know, it's not always what the finished product isn't always what you had envisioned, and um, so I told them I said I want to tell your story, and it's exactly what happened. We use exact quotes from the book, but mm-hmm. I, I drew the characters like the book, like the kid, and I included the other family members, and then when after the book came out, I flew out to Colorado. And we we, me, and, me and the boy, Dane, went to his school and we dressed the same way and bow ties and, oh and uh, did a whole thing at the school. And it was a very, I love the family. i still talk to this day. Um, and it's just, you know, it's that kind of ideas where, I mean, I took a chance and that maybe worst case scenario, I they say no.
0: And, I don't know uh, why I want to ask this, but which of the books, what was like sales wise did the best?
1: So... Reply All definitely Mm -hmm. did the most. Um, That one, and again, in in the world of literature, and I'll put it similar to the world of music, like if you have an album with Virgin Records or, you know, versus uh, Mm -hmm. a smaller one, right, right, traction is traction. But that one, Reply All was a very interesting bubble because it was, there was a lot of, we had good media around it. It was a very niche topic. The name was funny. um, And we had a lot of support right publisher major and,
0: publisher yeah and I,
1: I also had a very good following with the modern manners guy at the time so mm-hmm. i had a, i had multiple there were multiple from a you know from business strategy that i had multiple vehicles to get my word out um whereas the other ones when you have the publisher helping you and you, you helping you but you know i already had a built-in audience for the reply all and that one was that one ended up being the most successful
0: so i'm going to dig in a little bit I'm going to pull a little James Lipton on you. Like (laughs) what? So when you were like in college, okay. And you're, you know, majoring in art, did you, did you have like this vision of entrepreneur Renaissance man or did, or did it just sort of naturally evolve into what you were just interested in? You know what I mean? Was there a conscious effort to, to create, to sell? What I love about you, I love you anyway, but as just the guy, the idea of like self authorship, you know, you are creating your own, you have like a blank pilot and you're like, you're creating your life and there's no, you know, I think a lot of us have this path. Like I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm an accountant, but, or, or even like an entrepreneur, but in a certain, certain, um, area you're 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 a wrestling you're writing you're doing crabs we'll talk about that but was there a vision or a consciousness or did it did it just say all right this interests me this interests me this interests me like how like how do you yeah. see your career
1: yeah no, so it's a good question so and you know people ask me that all the time so there are a couple of things i mean i will say you know and the one thing about um, about college park and my time there was when i was focusing in the art world I mean, there were a lot. First of all, there were. A lot, I thought I was good enough in the art world. I was always, mm-hmm. I could always draw, I could always paint. But when you get there with other people, man, it's. Yeah. I always getting my butt kicked, so to say, and and it was, but it was cool because, I there was stuff that they, that other people were doing that I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm learning, and everybody's okay with each other, right? I mean, it's not, there's no competition. It's just like, oh, cool, you're doing this, and I'm doing that. Try this technique, and and the teachers were great, and um, but I never want I the idea of wanting to be a famous artist yeah i've always wanted to be that for sure but back then i in my mind it's like i have my you know my jewish parents in the background saying you know you're not going right. to go to new york and sell and sell paintings on the side of the street i'm like obviously I, I can't
0: do that did you so, get
1: pushback from them Not, no not so much i mean I, I think not really no my parents always knew that i was that i definitely lacked in certain areas of uh of academics and mm. uh, you know my brother was my brother is was and is one of the smartest people on the planet, and he's very that side of the brain, and I'm this side. But we mm-hmm. still we still do things that are similar. But I wasn't going to go that route. I couldn't. I I was. I liked college, but I couldn't wait to get out. And once I was out, I couldn't wait to go. I want. I wish I would have stayed. But um, it was. You know, I just didn't. I was doing it because I I know it's needed to do. But you know, if if I would have gotten a job offer or something like that, and somebody said come here, I probably would have left. Um, just because that was just my desire. I was kind of done with it and ready to go. Um, but, you know, I, there, was, there was one thing and that I, uh, I remember I went out and this one, this one art teacher, and she said it in passing, I have no idea that I probably remember it to this day, but when we were doing, when you're in art class, we're doing a painting and people are walking around and they're saying, you know, you do critiques and stuff like that. And that's when it gets you know, brutally honest. Um, one of the people said, rudely like, what is that? To somebody's painting it's like an abstract which kind of annoyed it was kind of like very bit of a faux pas to say and yeah the teacher, like very quickly she said, oh it's, it's paint on canvas and it was like oh man that's such a good
0: oh nice term. like
1: it's paint on canvas so like you know it is what it is it's what you want it to be but the very basis, is like don't yeah. have like don't that's what it is when it comes down to so everybody having. yeah
0: like what like you like, know Bob you yeah yeah my, fa- my favorite, you know, one of my, probably my favorite artists is always like, you know, pushing back. What does it mean, man? What are you trying to say? This is like, you know, F you. Like, it, it means whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Take me out of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's just it. And, you know, it's, it was, and I really, you know, it kind of goes back to the wrestling of, I definitely didn't have this idea of doing it, but I was just, I, I was always willing to take a shot and try something and look into it. And when it came to the books, I could have sat there forever and just doodled in my notebook for the rest of my life and never done anything about it, and no way to tell, or, you know, looked at another opportunity. But if you ask people questions and you put yourself out there, um, you know, you never know what's gonna happen. It sounds cheesy and kind of elementary, but I was like, whatever, worst thing to say is no. And, and I'm like, okay, then I'll go to somebody else. And if I really like it or it's not gonna happen, but, i will say to that the same thing you will be surprised how many people will not in my corner are not in my corner i should say because it's not it's like oh you know you're now you want to do this and now you can do that i'm like look man i got an you, idea
0: like people that you know or people online or yeah, who you... I would,
1: it's it's more about like just the, the questions of like you mm-hmm. know people i know are people around and first of all, I will say, I hear them, but I don't listen to them. I mean, you can see that Mm -hmm. it just bounces off, but it's just like, I
0: was
1: like, but you can't tell me something's not going to happen if you know nothing about it. You know, you then why, you know, it's, you know, you have to, if, if I can ask questions about a business thing or an art thing or a film thing, well, it's, then I'll find those people. And if those people say it's
0: dumb, okay, well, well, you know, it's all about them and their stuff because when you do something unconventional or creative, sometimes, you know, it, it triggers them, you know, they're projecting yeah. all of those things. It's really probably nothing about you. Like, oh, who does he think he is making yeah. a living being creative?
1: I know. And it was, I get that. I got that all the time with, with wrestling, of course, mm-hmm. but, and I'm and they would laugh and think it's crazy, but it was just their own insecurities. They, they were too ashamed to not do something they wanted to do. And I, is, I'm is. so
0: surprised to hear that because my experience of it, like being knowing you, was all all positive but i you know i wasn't on the inside track i'm sorry to hear people weren't fully supportive
1: well i will say not fully but not to the sense of like it, it not everybody don't get me wrong but it's not exactly like every single thing i tried was a triumphant parade of oh you yeah, go get them boy it was yeah. it was you know you gotta prove yourself and you just gotta try it but back from everything i've tried you know when when saint martin's and mcmillan you know call me a renaissance man i was like you know that's that's cool i'll dig that you know i'm not trying well, you to do that a, and oh, I look well yeah. i appreciate that i love it and um but it's i you know i just i just i just want i'd rather try and ask questions and look at people but i will say and, and see if it's done but i will say there that as a result you know people come to me and say hey i know you do x y and z Do you know anybody that can do this and yeah. i'm like sure yeah i'll help you out i mean i don't I'll, people ask me questions about writing and publishing a book you know, all the time, or things about an idea, and, you know, before they might not have known me or associated me with that area, but, uh, you know, I think because I was able to do it, they just didn't, I'm happy to help out, and I let them know that it's not, I can't promise any results, and I'm by no means the expert, but um, I think that that was, you know, I kind of say that's really where, you know, what it comes from, and, um, and hopefully people are into it.
0: But what do you? But what if? What if I had like a dermatology question? Like, hey, can you look at this <laughs> mole? My, was would that be? Do you moonlight as that too or no? You know, um, I'm
1: I'm a ghostwriter on the WebMD, so I <laughs> will. Really? Uh,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I want I want to talk about your latest project, but I've, I guess I have like yeah. a couple more things. Like, so I am always curious since you work for yourself, and mm-hmm. I guess like what's your like when you wake up? Like, what's your daily routine? Do you have your coffee? Do you have like I uh, you sit in your desk and brainstorm, or what? What's what's your routine looking like?
1: Yeah, well, I always, I always have coffee. That's one yeah. thing that I, I mean, I, my wife's always like, I leave, I leave coffee cups in the fridge and it's, uh, various coffee shops I go to. But, um, but yeah, I mean, coffee is absolutely number one. Drinking really it out. right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, I have one on the side I'm right, right next All to All right, me. my man.
1: I really don't think I go one day in the entire year without a cup. I'm
0: kind Mm-mm. of
1: three or four cupper kind of guy.
0: Yom Kippur. But, yeah. Oh yes. Okay. It's the only until, time. It's the worst day of down. the year for me, <laughs> and it's not because of the food. It's never because yeah. of the food. I was like, I can make it without the food. It's the coffee.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's all well. You got so many sins, you know. I mean, the coffee's a sin. So
0: oh, man, I gotta that repent. Kills me every year. Um, um, okay. Yeah. But so, so like, yeah. do you, do you wake. I, I just, I think, you know, I like to hear about the creative life.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. And I will say, I've been, I, I you know, I haven't always worked for myself, I and mean, I've had other jobs, mm-hmm. and I've, you know, and. People, things become quote-unquote side hustles kind of thing mm-hmm. and I was always very careful when I had other jobs that it didn't interfere um, it only interfered when people would ask me questions about it but I never you know <laughs> if I when I was working for the government you know and I would write books I was I was always just writing you know that's it I mean I don't advertise it there people knew me because they're my friends but that was it I didn't talk about it
0: but Do you, then you have a so-called day job now or are you doing all yeah. of this?
1: Yeah. So now, yeah. So I mentioned earlier about brand new sports and that's okay. Guess, yeah. from the sports marketing company.
0: Wait, but that's um, your company though, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is, it is. But I'm, oh. but I mean, I'm saying before that before I, when I worked for other places while I was doing art and while yeah, yeah. I was doing wrestling whatever it was, I mean, I always, I wasn't, things weren't always under my control for the past right. years. I've worked for my, owned my own consulting company and then we started brand new sports. So i was able to work for myself yeah. and make those Make, make things a little bit more flexible, but um, you still got your, I still have my duties and roles to keep to them. But to answer your question, you know, I wake up in the morning, get my coffee, walk the dog who sits. who's my best friend, sits right next to me to speak right yeah. in the little bed, or in a little bed in my office. Um, you know, And then I really just, I get to work, I write down what I need to do that day. And I start to sort of check them off. I have some, have some calls and meetings. Some days are slower than others. Um, And then I really try to be as diligent as I can to fit that day's missions in to, Mm -hmm. to see what I can get done. And there's, and I, you know, both my, both my kids are active in sports all year round. So I spend a good four hours a day somewhere in my car and I'll, I'll take my, you know, I'll drop my son off at soccer and I'll sit in my car with my laptop, got Wi-Fi, and I'll work on something else. Or I'll take my, you know, my daughter's got lacrosse practice and you know, I'll sit there and and carve out some time.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. We sort of, as, as fathers, kind of have to squeeze it in whenever we can. And sometimes it's just like really weird times like i on occasion find myself napping in parking lots what <laughs> i mean by that is like, like i'll have to go to court or something and i'm tired because i am and i'll have like 45 minutes before the case and i'll set an alarm and man i can do it i will pass out in that freaking parking lot
1: there's nothing wrong with that I, I always I'm-
0: napping in parking lots that is I, I'll, I'll, I'll own it what is your lawyer doing is that your lawyer is okay? that dude but, is snoring in his car he's he's zoning in for the he's preparing <laughs> for the meeting Preparing for the trial <laughs> it's just my process sir <laughs> uh, but it, it is i
1: mean i it's but it's it comes down to really it's no different than anybody else it's just what really what do you want to do and i try to hold myself accountable it's not always pretty um, nothing's. it doesn't always a lot of things actually for me have not worked out that I wanted to but then the ones that do you know it gives me confidence to do something else um, but it's you got to hold yourself accountable if you know I'm working on something now and I have an opportunity with it and um, it's on me to get it done so if I decide to kick yeah. out on Netflix for five hours one night then I could really be doing something else <laughs> and that's my fault so
0: do you have know people in your life like call you because you're self-employed like people in my life know i'm self-employed and think that like ah oh, he's not doing anything like or he he's got places like there's a call me at weird times like what are you doing it's like well, tuesday at 11 like what do you think i'm doing like <laughs> he's not doing shit you know
1: i will say that ever once covid hit and quarantine it really changed the work at home for everybody and I remember when a colleague of mine, when everything started, um, he had put something out online. He goes, everybody's having a hard time and working from home. I've worked from home for seven years. Mm-hmm. You know, every day I wake up and I treat it like a job. I, oh, I shave, I get dressed, whether I'm not doing anything or not. And I sit down, I do this and I take my lunch and stuff like that. And I like that because I'm not, I get up and my, my son goes to school for the bus I let up, you know, I get, I get them dressed in the morning. I wait with them on the bus and I'm usually usually dressed at that time, or at least have my shave and get my hair done and brush your teeth. And then I come in and get dressed for meetings. But even if I'm not doing anything, I've gotten to the act of at least looking like I'm going to, but when you work from home, yeah. I mean, I, I think people think you have more free time, but it's just, I mean, it's, it's not as, I mean, sometimes I'll, my door gets shut in my office and I'm just, I'm here for eight hours. Oh,
0: I, I would say anyone who shaves every day and gets dressed, overachiever.
1: <laughs> well, I, I do, have a, I have a beard now, so I only really, uh, I only have to maintain it. Um, so I don't really do the full shave.
0: I want to ask, I'll ask one more question. Then we can talk about the latest thing because I don't keep you too long. But ah. the, um, so I always like to ask like, what, is there any like, on other entrepreneurs, authors, people that like really inspire you, like, you know, other than yourself, like, oh, this go to book or this person or this podcast where it's like um kind of helps you. And could, could be no one. I don't put you on the spot. I'm, I always like to get like recommendations for those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, look, there's one of my favorite books in the world. Um, it's mm. one, and again, this goes back to, you know, once I really started reading and I was, I was, you know, know, 20, you know, 20 reading and stuff like that, um, and found other things out there that I really liked. Um, I started reading books that I found to be something that fit my mind. And there was a book that I read very early on. It's, um, it's definitely older book it's not you can still get it but it was called what should i do with my life by poe bronson
0: oh yeah i remember that book book. highly recommend it yeah he interviews all these people yeah
1: yeah i mean it's yeah basically that's it's it was it's a bunch of which i love interviewing too i love hearing people's stories and Mm -hmm. it's cool because that's what you know he did where he said you know he is this guy you know david was a lawyer and then all of a sudden he found out that he has you know he is a royalty in england and found that then he goes over to england and now he's a duke yeah. or something there's actually a story in there about a guy who had a royalty bloodline but i love that book. um yeah i mean it was it was just a guy that was in america and found out that he was considered a king over in i want to say, India
0: or. Huh. Uh,
1: philippines i'm not sure i'm going to butcher it i feel bad the prince of, anyway.
0: was he the prince of Zamunda, no one really
1: <laughs> they, they did a movie about him actually uh, and so it was um it, i love that book I, I think it's very good um I, I i thought it was a really cool way to uh to shape ideas about really what your where your path takes you and how how you uh, you see things in in life and what can come your way and you know answering That's the call like, i haven't
0: thought about that one in a long time i used to see that one like barnes and noble all the time and flip through it
1: and... oh yeah it's definitely it's probably came out i mean probably 20 years late ago, 90s it, probably yeah, like, okay, yeah. when i came across it and um definitely a good one and there's another children's a children's book author his name is kwame alexander um he is actually from fairfax virginia and he won the newberry award one of his books won the Coldicott award um mm-hmm. and he's just, he's a poet and he's just fantastic. Um, -hmm. I've had him a few times and he, um, he's great. His, his backstory is great. You know, his book got his first book that became that won the Newbery award called the crossover. It was a book that, um, he wrote in a Panera and went every day and started writing on it. It was his, it's a poetry book about basketball. And, um, but very action packed, very good. It's one of the best books in American literature. Um, the past 20 years, easy. And he, um, sent it to his agent, and his agent's like, Look, you know, I'll try and get it out there. But it ended up being where his agent just lied about um, getting the book out there. He's like, I didn't even try it. We was, wasted like a year of his life. To oh no, I thought nobody would sell it. He self published it himself anyway, after already being successful, and then the book kind of had this grassroots energy behind it and people were trying to like bar- take it from the books from the libraries at school and all these kids won it then it got into a bidding war and next thing you know gets bought by another publisher and six months you know later on yeah. that next yeah. year he wins to- he wins the newbery which is like the oscars so yeah, i was
0: gonna say that's like the most prestigious award for kids. yeah children's books right it
1: is. Children's book, i yeah. remember newbery. the little
0: thing on the book when we were kids they'd be like the they would even tell gold us this sticker. is a newberry, like the the gold the star, right?
1: Yeah, the gold sticker and then the silver sticker for the Caldecott, which is illustrations. Mm. And, oh um, the
0: Caldecott, I remember that.
1: Yeah, and that's that to me would be like, mm-hmm. gosh, I mean And um, but you know, it's funny because I met him. I met Kwame. We were at a conference and uh, we were just doing this. Was before when his book came out before he won the Caldecott, and we're hanging out and we a you know. Say buddies, but colleagues and stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. kept in touch. But then, um, and then I remember when the Newberry Award came out, this is like six months after or so, or five months after we had done this conference together. And uh, you know, I sat next to him on a panel with other authors, and next thing you know, he's winning the culticata, he's winning the Newberry Award. It's like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you wake up and your you know, your buddy, your your college roommate won a Grammy, it's like out of nowhere, (laughs) it's yeah. Life changed, and it was something where nobody thought it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, he wins the greatest award in literature for children. So it's wild. I just love that story and what it was. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely think anything, and even for adults, it's a good read. He's got several books out there now. They went about Muhammad Ali recently, um, yeah. and I highly recommend his work as well.
0: Yeah, and Panera is a great place for uh, writing. I was yeah, I was yeah. at a Panera Mary recently. Phil's- yeah they got a lot of you know a lot of space a lot of quiet yeah i'm i'm a big fan of the the panera laptop situation <laughs> um good. so you want to you want to go full circle i'm doing all the the cliches we're going to pivot we're going to circle back <laughs> so because you like the latest project very baltimore yeah um, involving crabs
1: a, yeah absolutely <laughs> and again this is something where um you know, I'm very, I'm very happy with it, but it really kind of came out of, it goes along to just, uh, you know, asking questions and putting yourself out there. Um, this The project is called the Charm City Crab Project, Crab Claw Project. And we're <laughs> basically putting large crab claws across Baltimore City in various locations around 10 feet by five feet, um, uniquely decorated uh, per that area. And uh-huh. um, where people could take pictures of in front of them, picture like the old, um, the wings in like Austin or Nashville. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's that's where I had the idea, and I, I thought about this thing for a couple of years already. And I was thinking, wow, that's such a good idea. Maybe they had to paint them on the wall. And I didn't really know what to do. And ironically, I was so this was last uh, like last fall. I had lunch with two very very well known um, Baltimore uh, ca- uh, cartoonists because mm-hmm. and again, I asking questions. One of my writing friends. Said I said, hey, look, I you know am looking to do more with cartoons. I said, you know anybody I could speak with? Actually, yeah, talk to Barbara. She can, she'll help you out. And I'm like, okay, I will, sure. And she was very, very nice to me. And she was, look, let's meet up for lunch one day. And, you know, I'll bring my buddy with me. I uh, think it's Mike Cicliano and he's a very, very, uh, very good uh, illustrator. And we can ask us questions. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So there we like, are, like I'm, an
0: informational interview kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was more just like they. They were they they were i i was you know i respected what they did and they were mm-hmm. willing to like i was open for critique but you have to be in the world of arts i said look here's like 10 of my 10 of my store my um ideas well, what do you think about it and so um i had lunch and then while we're doing that at, and like towards the end i said yeah i also have this idea i, said, I was going to do like crab claws and walls and like you know different mm-hmm. things of ball and, and she's and barbara dale that was her name and she goes Look, actually, yeah, she should do that. She talked to um, talk to Randy over at Art with a Heart in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. She could, I think, she'd be a great person for that. And I said, okay, sure. So she introduced me to Randy and I pitched my idea to Randy. She said, yeah, come on in, let's we'll talk about it. We talked about it, and um, then they're like, yeah, look, let's I did, let's do this. And they have Art with a Heart is a not-for-profit in Baltimore. They do tons of public artworks um, all across the city, all across the country of the world. They're doing one in Israel recently now. They've been so, around for So they have a
0: relationship, years. I guess, with the city that they get permission to do these kind well, of things.
1: No, I mean they they're their product they're based on like product for project, mainly involvement, but they do them all over the place. But what we did with this was they said you know, they, they looked at it from a very logistical standpoint. They said, okay, we're let's make it out of this material and, was, you know, ideas that I was didn't really think about before. How do you mount mm-hmm. something on brick? How do you, it made more sense. And, but they weren't, I said, we basically, well, but look, we have to find people that want to put this on their building, you know? And oh, I said,
0: oh, I see. Yeah.
1: So they were going to help. I was, I would design it. They would help. They would get the piece constructed, you know, have it cut out and this board cut out of my out of the, out of the stencil mm-hmm. and each one but I had to find people that were willing to do it and um, it was kind of word of mouth you know I found one person again through a friend of mine after I mentioned hey you should call this person I think you would be like it and she was nice enough to say hey you know she wanted done for her place she was all well, you know my, my brother they manage that that place over there you should do it I'm like okay and then next thing next word you know and so right now we're, we're have about about almost over a little more than half a dozen contracted out to do in the summer, but they take time, so it's hard to get together. But you know, we have some over at right on Pratt Street in Baltimore City, a place called Lucky's Ice Cream. We're doing, we're doing one over at, um, at uh, Power Plant Live. We'll be doing one in Cross Street Market, Lexington Market, Mount Vernon Square, um, a bunch of different places and It's a
0: fantastic idea and uh, I'm actually a little surprised that it ha- and this is, that it hasn't happened before like you see those like bears everywhere in certain but <laughs> the Baltimore the crab of course of course that yeah. they need them.
1: Well years ago they did and I actually did one for this this was back in 05 they had crab sculptures that you could paint and they were hung up across the city and I I actually did one and mine was outside the hide which was ironic because I got married at that high at that mm-hmm. same year. So it was pretty funny that ironically of all the places it got auctioned to it was there and I did I've done a public art for University of Maryland when they had t- large turtles that they yeah. tested them. Mine's still in, mine's to this day is still inside um, Xfinity Center which I lucked out because the person who bought it gave it to Xfinity Center and kept it in there for kept it so but this what this idea is it's not as tactile where there that was a physical sculpture. This is mm-hmm. something that it it's going to be physical sculpture, but it's more of a, uh, it's only about a half an inch thick. And then we mount things on top of it to make it more, to make it more fun and, you know, colorful and bright. And that goes against the wall and mount it onto the wall the brick or internally or externally.
0: Listen, on. if I'm visiting Baltimore, I'm getting a picture with the crap. <laughs> if I see the crap. I mean, even, you well, know, man, like I, that, I mean, that, who wouldn't?
1: Well, yeah, and it's, look, it helps. I mean, you, you know, you live in Baltimore just as long as I have, and, you know, we're both county guys, and it's hard to get down to the city. Um, I think that Baltimore has had a bad rap for a while yeah. about the ugliness of the city. I don't think it's fair. Um, I think there's ugliness in every city, and I think that, you know, it, in, um, there's ways to get a, get us all down there. I don't go down the city as much as I can, not because I don't want to, but only because just time-wise. Yeah. But it's good to bring something back for your kids and your family. I want my, my kids to be able to know that their dad did something like that and take pride in that. Um, and it'd be cool just to have something, you know, fun to put your mark on and say, you know, I helped do something to better the community in some way, shape or form. Um, and Art with a Heart is just a fantastic organization and they're a not-for-profit. Everything goes back to just helping educate the community about art, art and uh, art awareness
0: my friend i believe that's a beautiful place to end um, <laughs> thank you i do, i want i want to talk to you privately about the screenplay thing cuz i have some yeah. i want i just want to know how to write one cuz i have some ideas but that's a whole another conversation i really appreciate this and any any final words to the people listening well of all, thank, thank,
1: you, thank you so much for having me on man i really appreciate it. i followed the the podcast so it's pretty cool too oh, thank
0: uh, you i know you do because i saw i see you in linkedin following it and i really appreciate it and i really hope this doesn't you know mess everything up for you
1: yeah you know that honestly that'd be a really bad thing to happen if you know i work so hard to only have a you know one of my buddies turn me down so thanks bud I
0: we heard like your that. interview on that guy's podcast <laughs> sorry rich yeah no the guy, who, the guy who typed on cock on this on his cell phone <laughs> right. that guy you know. <laughs> no i learned a lot i mean i thought you know i knew you a, a bit but i definitely learned more and it's really good and i hope you know hope, hopefully we'll get some you know all of our our town our community of of our childhood that's you know because we live people don't know baltimore it's a town in which people stay and have a lot of pride in, and everybody knows everybody so hope, hopefully they'll listen because you're a fascinating man
1: Thanks, man. I I really appreciate that. You know, appreciate for following the work and supporting out there and helping helping make those dads
0: look cool out there. Yeah, man. You're giving people crabs. I love it. Um, it. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good day. Thanks, bud. Take it easy. See See ya. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Richie Freeman, my old friend, my pal. Hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed reconnecting with him and I learned a lot. Check them out. See what he's up to. Um, follow me on Instagram, further underscore coaching. That's F-U-R-T-H-U-R underscore coaching. Website is further.coach, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach. Please consider a five-star review, a like, a share, whatever um, you want to do. It's very, very helpful. Thanks again for your support. Take care.